Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there are many There may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, They still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not bring us closer to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess this knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, Might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I was thinking about Lent as I was reading Paul's words. And I was thinking about how often we give something up for Lent. And we stop doing something and it's almost always an inward focus that we think about something that either we'd like to stop doing or something that we know we shouldn't have been doing in the first place. And we stop doing it for Lent and it's a very inward focus. And I started to think about Paul's words. And it was this idea of abstaining from things in order to grow. But not just inwardly, but that Paul talked about abstaining outwardly to help others grow. And that he found hope in their growth. And it all starts with this idea of eating food sacrificed to idols. And this is a bit of a tricky thing for us to imagine because we don't really think about food being sacrificed to idols. But one of the general things was, as we hear from the Israelites even, that when you sacrificed something, it was usually the way that they would kill whatever animals they had that would be burned on the altar and cooked and they would eat it. Often when people were cooking meat of any kind, they were sacrificing it to some form of a god or an idol and it was always to something. It could be a household deity. It could be one for a local village, a region. It could be one of many. So it could be very, very common that the only time people would be eating meat on a regular basis is if it had been sacrificed to something. And so Paul says, well, you know, I I know that 
if there's only one God, then when they sacrifice that food to an idol, that idol is nothing. And so if they're sacrificing food to nothing, there can be nothing wrong with it because it's not being sacrificed to anything. So I can eat and not find problem because I know it's nothing. Now, if Paul had stopped there and had just stopped with thinking about himself, he could have gone, well, then I can just eat whenever and it doesn't matter. And if somebody sees me, then it's their fault. So often this is the route we end up going. That whatever we do, if we know it's okay, then we're fine with it because it's somebody else's fault for not understanding why we were doing what we were doing. That if somebody doesn't understand then they should go get understanding and come back to me when they're done. Paul realizes that this is folly. That he decides it would be better if he never ate meat, if it would keep people from feeling like they were failing. Because he knew that there were some people that were so accustomed to this idea that anything they ate, they would fear it was sacrificed to an idol. And if they saw Paul eating... They would go, Paul's a bright guy. He knows what he's doing. and He's eating food sacrificed to idols. So it must be okay to worship these idols. That's the last thing Paul wants, is for them to fall back into all of the practices that he's trying to lead them away from. And he realizes his actions have a greater influence than just himself. And I start thinking about how we all... Sometimes we'll give up something or make sure we don't do something to make sure others get the message, to make sure that others understand what's going on. Now, I could come up here and I could begin cursing like a sailor in the middle of every sermon, but I don't. Now, I know that words are words and that if I'm going to proclaim God's truth, then whatever words I use, and God's message can be found in there anyway. But I also know that words that are vulgar, words that are hate-filled, words that don't sound even remotely polite or nice, would not further God's message. They would muddle it. They would possibly even make people not hear it at all. Because the moment they start hearing all of the words that they are offended by, They tune out. They stop hearing the rest because they can't get it out of their head what they've just heard. We abstain from certain things to make sure that people understand what we're doing. Sometimes we just don't think enough about how we affect other people. Everything that we do is a reflection of our faith. When we treat each other with love, that's a reflection of the love that God has shown us. When we treat each other without love, it's a reflection of how far we have fallen from relying on that love. We see too often, when people are in need, that the first thing we want to do is correct them and lecture them about why they're in the situation they're in. What mistakes they have made to get to where they are. Too often, we want to make the hungry man dance for his supper and to understand just how great we are for giving it to him. 
He already knows the mistakes he has made. He has likely thought about them more than we ever could. But maybe if we hold back from the lecture, if we abstain from giving a piece of our mind and we just feed him, he will know hope, that he will know love, and he will know mercy. When we shame people for what they have done, and we want to drive them away and not be associated with them at all, we take away hope. We don't reflect that light of Christ that we should be reflecting always and everywhere, making sure that all people know that they are worthy of God's love and God's redemption. Sometimes we take it upon ourselves to make sure that people know that we know all the things they've done. And sometimes we hurt the people that are most vulnerable by shaking whatever faith they have left right out of them. Reading this, I was reminded of the people who go to college campuses. And they stand with signs in the middle of where everybody walks. And they shout at people, calling them sinners, calling them all sorts of things, telling them how terrible they are and all of the things that they shouldn't be doing. They yell at people for how they're dressed, for how they look. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad because I think about these kids. And it's hard not to call them kids because I think about these people going off to college and they're out on their own normally for the first time ever, trying to be as adult as they can be. And there's somebody telling them how much they're failing. There's no love. There's no hope. And the problem is that when somebody is proclaiming that that is Christ's message, that hurts each and every one of us. Because it means the people who see that walk away thinking Christ's message isn't one of love and one of hope and one of mercy and one of redemption and one of joy. They think it's one of berating people, making them feel small, making them feel insignificant. If we can hold off from judging people long enough to love them, instead of taking that hope, we would grow it. See, the thing is that there is a time and a place to correct people. There is a time and a place to help people, to help them grow and to help them do better. But we have to build a sure foundation first. If you push somebody who's standing in sand, they will surely fall. But if you build up that solid rock beneath them that they have sure footing, they may sit down on that rock, but they will not fall. And that sure footing is Christ. When Christ taught his disciples, he didn't berate them and belittle them every time that they messed up. He would correct them in love and gentleness and he would help them to know better. Because he would build them up stronger than they were before. Because he knew. He knew that it was love that would give them hope. And it was hope that would drive them to do better. We build each other up by having Christ as our sure foundation. 
That as long as we can fall back on Christ, Christ is the furthest that we can fall. But if we shake that faith, if that stone becomes sinking sand, we have no sure footing. And it's so easy to fall away when somebody tries to take that sure footing away. There are many things we can do for each other and many things we can do to each other. It is up to us to think about what kind of God we want people to believe in. A God of judgment who wants us to separate from each other, to push each other away. Or are we children of a Father who loves us? Loves us to the point that He would send His Son to die on a cross for us. For our mistakes. That His blood would be spilled for the world. Sometimes we hold back so that we can let love in. We hold back so that mercy can shine forth. We abstain so that we may grow. Because when we grow together in Christ, we are all lifted up by Him. That we are all given hope in Him. But if we lift each other up by tearing each other down, then we will not get anywhere. If we separate ourselves from each other instead of growing together, we will not get anywhere. God did not put us here to be alone. He put us on this earth that we may work together, that we may grow together in Christ, that we may live in Christ, that we may die in Christ, that we may find life eternal in Christ, that our hope is in Him. The one who died for the sins of all, who wants to save all, That we bring people to Christ through love and mercy. That we correct each other in gentleness. That we do so after building a firm foundation, giving each other footing that we may always rely on. That we may give up hurting each other. So that we may take up love in all of its forms, and all of its glory. Sometimes it means abstaining to grow. But it means that we grow together in Christ, that we grow as a church, we grow as a community, and we grow as God's children. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, that we grow together that we may join each other in God's kingdom. And that we may shine that light and that hope forevermore for all the people, no matter who, no matter where, that they know God is there for them too. Amen.